0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business Podcast. Everyone has a story. We know that. But on our podcast, we like to give a voice to those women whose story is moving and meaningful and compelling. We share their stories so that in their doing so, you have permission to share your own. Own your story, folks. We love to say that here. So today's guest is Michelle Wheeler. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much, Susan. Awesome. So I know Michelle's mom, folks. She's fantastic. Her name is Terry, but we're not going to make this podcast about Michelle's mom. We're going to make this about the magnificent Michelle. So I want to ask you to tell everyone a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, my name is Michelle Wheeler, and I am a junior partner and marketing strategist at PSM Marketing. I graduated from St. Olaf College in 2014 with a double major in English and Women's and Gender Studies. I love it. Yeah, it's really great. Um, And after graduating, I made sort of a scary decision to start my own small marketing company, Spectrum Design and Marketing, which I ran for five years. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Um, That's great. Yeah, uh, just this past September, I actually merged Spectrum with my mom's business, Professional Services Marketing, which has been around since 1997.
0: So folks, I know her mom and I know her mom's business. Very successful woman who has uh, not just been doing the same thing for years, but she's very progressive. She and her company uh, not only just change with the times, but they lead the way. So I know that your mom is super progressive and I, I really respect what she does and one of the decisions I respect most is that she brought you on. So yay, <laughs> I love that. But we're gonna tell um, folks a little bit more about your role there and what you'll be doing.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, so as a junior partner, um, you know, I basically was able to take my existing client base that I developed and bring that into PSM. And historically, PSM has focused primarily on lawyers, financial advisors and CPA firms Um, and so in joining PSM I was able to sort of expand our client base to also include contractors nonprofits and small businesses which I know is a pretty big umbrella uh, but that's that's sort of my wheelhouse
0: that's super smart to diversify your portfolio of clients I think that makes um, a lot that's a wise business move on both your part and your mom's part and I think that the people in the professional services industries that your mom has served for years will recognize that smart move. And this is this is all good news. This is great. Um, So what does this mean to your clients? How will this change impact the relationship there?
1: Sure. So, you know, until last month, basically, I was a lone wolf with Spectrum Design and Marketing. I was, I I like to call myself a one-stop shop for small businesses, Uh, meaning I would do everything from graphic design, copywriting, website development, pretty much anything a small business would need to succeed. Um, And now in joining PSM, you know, my clients will have access to our team of 26 marketing resources.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty big change. So, you know, we have a whole search engine optimization department, we have a team of graphic designers. So for me, it means a lot of the burden being sort of lifted off my shoulders and really integrating fully into the team.
0: I think for your clients, and if I were a client of yours, I would feel this way, that this is great. This is an even bigger one-stop shop, and things that I didn't know that were available to make my, um, to grow and protect my business are now available to me with this merger. So awesome. I would be excited if I were your clients to, um, about this change. Um, Let me ask you something. So I love that you focused on gender studies. I didn't plan to touch on that, but I think I will now because that's my passion and what I teach when I travel the country. Tell me a little bit about what made you go into gender studies.
1: Sure. Well, you know, community involvement has always been really important to me. And as a young gay woman, you know, I'm very engaged in local and national politics and have been part of several community health campaign, serving the Twin Cities LGBTQ community, and um, you know, my involvement with that really started back just after graduating high school. So when I went off to college, you know, it was definitely an area of personal interest that I wanted to explore more, um, and also just a really great place to put my energy in terms of advocacy. So that's something that's really important to me to engage in both professionally and personally. Um, and I don't know, to me, it really relates to, to just authenticity and the version of myself that I want to present to the world.
0: That's Um, exactly where I was going to go with that. I want to say, first of all, kudos for the courage it took at such a young age to decide to, you know, embark on that journey. I know people who are uh, not yet there. and and I try to create a world where they're welcome to be there, to embark on that journey of really being their authentic selves and owning their story. I mean, that's the purpose of my podcasting. Um, so bravo to you. That's incredible. Whatever I can do, um, I don't know if you know anything about what I do for a living because I know you know about my podcast, which is what I do for a giving. But if there's anything I can ever do or resources that you need, please feel free to reach out because I am all about advocacy, equity, equality. So mm-hmm. um, let me know. I'm I'm so impressed with you, Michelle. Your grit and yet your you know your grace, all in one, all in one. So let me ask you this. Let's go back to your professional um, life. What what has been your proudest professional accomplishment?
1: Sure. You know, honestly, it's it's got to be becoming a partner at PSM. Um, You know, as I mentioned, I started Spectrum right after graduating college, and you know, even though my mom owned a firm that I could have easily joined full time, um, you know, I had this entrepreneurial itch that needed scratching. I love it. Yeah, I really wanted to just do my own thing and build a reputation that was
0: independent from the family business. So that's so courageous, man, you are on fire. I'm sure your mom was like learning from you just as much as you had ever learned from her. Um, (laughs) I think your courage is amazing. So being a solopreneur, it took me more than 20 something years to make that decision to have the courage. Though I'll say throughout those 20 something years, I thought about it time and time again. I just didn't at the time have the courage to do it. So again, yay you. Um, that's pretty awesome. I'm so excited to learn more about, you know, what you're doing there and to see the results of your new, um, alignment with your mom's company. So we we don't want to call it your mom's company anymore. We want to call it PSM. So I'll, I'll correct course, correct. And make sure that I plant that seed in my head who, um, I I bet I can guess a couple of them, but we usually have more (laughs) than one mentor, but who has been your best inspirational mentor?
1: You know, I, I know you said this wasn't going to be a podcast about my mom, <laughs> but unfortunately, I it. that is the answer that speaks to the heart. So, you I know, I have to say my mom, hands down, um, you know, she started PSM marketing, which was then professional services marketing in the late 90s when the idea of a virtual marketing firm was really, truly unheard of. Right. And you know, she built this company from scratch, and I've really been able to look up to her as just a remarkable entrepreneur since I was a young kid.
0: Yeah, she's quite a pioneer. Um, people, you know, call us that, and then I'm like, is that a good thing? I think it's a great thing. So she's a trailblazer. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. I love that she's your mentor. Um, I get a lot of that, women I interview. I also interview allies in our causes, um, but they, they they, oftentimes say their parents or their mother or you know, honestly, to be honest, they say their mother more than anything. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying the facts are that they say their mother most often. So I think she's a great mentor. I'm sure you've had several along the way, but the fact that you get to work side by side with her. Tell me what is something that your clients would say about why they like working with you?
1: Oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm really fast at what I do. I know that's like sort of a dorky thing to say, but I <laughs> <laughs> I really, really value a efficiency, I'm like definitely that part of my dad shines through in me because if there is a more efficient way to do something, I am just on it. So, you know, clients will request a change to a document or they'll just request a deliverable and like an hour and a half later, boom, it's in their inbox. So
0: (laughs) awesome. Awesome. So the speed of Michelle, I love that. That is great. I think clients do appreciate that. They want it done well and they want it done now. So the fact that you can deliver both is great. That's really, really great. So you know that um, everyone who knows me or knows anything about me or has ever visited my website knows that I personally strongly believe we need to lift women up. I work with women and other minorities to make sure their voices are heard and, and to help them to not just better navigate the white man's world, but for us to all work together to change the white man's world so that it's no longer a white man's world. Um, Tell me what you think we can do to support other women in business.
1: Yeah, so, oh man, two big things come to mind. Number one is making space for marginalized voices and experiences, which you are doing a phenomenal job of. And two, acknowledging our privilege and using it to enact change. So
0: Tim Wise right there, channeling a little Tim Wise. Have you ever (laughs) um, listened to or read or heard or seen Tim Wise? No, I have not. Oh my goodness. So he wrote the very first academic paper on white privilege and how we need to recognize that. So you might want to be, uh, you might want to Google him or check out his website and his resources, his papers, his talks. He's super provocative and I love every minute of it. So you're spot on with that. Um, we do, I, I had a, this is just a quick story, I promise. I had a situation where I was hosting an event And someone from Amazon, a friend of mine who works there, called me out on the fact that I didn't have enough women of color in my lineup. And she was wrong to a degree in that the pictures just didn't look like it. But I had more than what she thought. But still, she was right in that I didn't have enough. Mm, We had a long conversation about that. And I called a couple of my friends who are women of color. And I said, you know, what do I do, how do I, how do I fix this, and they basically said, that is privilege, that you didn't even notice, you don't have women of color, enough women of color in your lineup, and so I've learned a lot of lessons about that, and I'm careful to incorporate, um, you know, the people who don't look, or sound, or act, or, you know, don't come, I'm, I'm careful about affinity bias, you know, so even. Yep. You- even this morning, I had a conversation with this woman. We were talking about like minded people, and i said can we can we change that to like hearted people so that we're um you know all aligned in our values, but not in the way we go about implementing them or or acting them out? you know so um, sure. yeah, it's something we need to be very careful of. I love that you said that those two major focuses on how we can support not just other women but other um minorities, and hopefully yeah. stay. And don't be equity.
1: For sure. And you know, one of the most important terms I learned in college was intersectionality, which, yeah. if you don't know, um, you know, that's the idea that our lived experiences are really defined by our intersecting identities. So when we think about women in business, I think it's important to acknowledge that the experience of, say, a transgender woman or a black woman or even a pregnant woman might be drastically different than those of a cisgender white lady with no kids, you know? Right. Uh, and bringing an intersectional approach to business means being open um, to people with backgrounds and experiences that are different from yours. So That's
0: so important. I don't think most people know about intersectionality. So you could talk on about that all you want, because I think it's good for us to learn and listen. Do you make sure that your clients written communications and oral communications, if they're giving presentations and they ask your help, that they consider the messaging because it falls on ears of different people, like you said. So tell us more about intersectionality. I love this topic.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. I I always think about, you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, as like a special task force or initiative that, you know, corporate offices have, um, when in reality, it should be more of a core value that's executed at every level of the company so Boom.
0: exact let's focus on that really so that is so powerful what you just said she's saying folks that dni has been an initiative sort of like a side dish it should a- actually be integrated at every level into every um operating system across the country in the world actually um, and because, focus. Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, don't apologize, This we do a lot of overlapping here. It's what women do, people do, we, we <laughs> like to finish each other's sentences. That means we're clicking. But I, I want to say that I see a lot of, of those initiatives, but I don't see a lot of meaningful movement of the needle. I see a lot of D and no I. Yep,
1: absolutely. And, you know, the focus groups or the the task forces are a great start. But if we really wanna lift up women in the workplace, we need to focus on systemic changes to the corporate model. I you think bet. that's that's a big thing.
0: You betcha, where would you
1: start? Oh, geez, there are so many places. You know, the, the second thing that I mentioned about, you know, ways to uplift women is using your privilege to enact change. Um, and one thing I, that comes to mind right now, it's specifically pertinent is that, you know, the Supreme Court is determining whether or not it should be legal to fire employees because of their sexual orientation. Yeah. Like that's happening right now in you the world. I can't
0: believe in this day and age where even, okay, so I want to be careful folks. I think most of the listeners know how I lean politically. Um, even my fiscal conservative friends who were once Republicans and are no more understand where I'm coming from when I say, you know, equality and equity are, they shouldn't be politicized. I mean, this is like, these are human rights. These are, yes. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm so disgusted that this is even uh, under consideration. It should be part it's our U S constitution. It's what this country was founded on. It's, yeah, I, don't get me on that soapbox, Michelle, because... <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know,
1: believe it or not, that, the, the idea of being fired for your sexuality is actually the status quo for women in the majority of U.S. states. So in the majority of states, you can be fired for being gay. Um, and, you know, it's tough, to, it's tough to think about lifting women in the workplace when their right to be there is still being scrutinized. And for a lot of professional women, you know, this is a really scary place to find yourself. Even today, it's almost 2020, and many women have to make the decision to live authentically and risk losing their jobs or stay closeted. So, you know, if you're a woman in business, I really hope that you can use your power to to amplify and voice the needs of women who are not like you.
0: I can't tell you how moving this is. This is a very meaningful podcast, right here, folks, because if you understand what she's saying, this means that these people she's using as an example women who are gay in the workplace they cannot be their authentic selves and you know by listening to my podcast that's what i encourage most they cannot bring their whole selves to work they cannot you know fight for that which they shouldn't have to fight for it's insane Um, i just it's almost like penalizing people for being born with green eyes you know what i'm saying like Mm it is the, it is the most un-American of un-American behaviors. And, and it's being permissioned in today's uh, political landscape. Uh, It's being encouraged. I mean, bigotry has become, I mean, frankly, again, I need to be careful not to get too political, but I will tell you, even my Republican friends will agree that, um, you know, they're often, I didn't vote for him, you know they're quick to say that to me i am before you know and i'm like what are you doing cuz cuz like you said use your white privilege what are you doing to combat the bad that's 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 you know it's a cloud of evil
1: honestly um yeah. and yeah. another example of you know using your privilege is advocating for female focused and family friendly policies so yeah. you know take parental leave for example you know, part of reducing the gender pay gap in America is about enacting reasonable parental and family leave policies. Right. if, if my wife and I decide to have a baby, my wife would only get three days of pay as the non-birthing mother. And, you know, this is a situation so many families, both gay and straight, find themselves in. Right. So, you know, we can uplift women by being fierce advocates for this type of systemic change.
0: So Michelle Wheeler, after this podcast is over, I do hope that you and I uh, put our heads together and stay in close contact. And because um, I live in the bubble, okay? So I live in California and everything is as I think the world should be here. Um, and not everybody lives here and not everybody's in my bubble. Um, we are very careful to be fair and careful to, you know, this is where the movement started, if you will. And we are we honor people their authentic selves. But I come from Louisiana, which you might imagine is not quite. So it's a different kind of bubble, a bubble, yes, but a totally different kind of bubble. And so uh, I've lived in Boston, I've lived in Switzerland, I've lived in Hawaii, I've lived in Italy. And I am, again, if you think of all those places where I've lived, they're more aligned with this, you know, um, idea that freedom and equality are you know the the underpinnings of this country of this nation mm-hmm. um however i still have a lot of friends in that gulf south area and some across the midwest that that don't buy into what we call the u.s constitution and the founding fathers <laughs> and the bill of rights easily little um, pieces of paper yeah this is little yeah i have to often remind them that you know study the law study history and know the u.s constitution at a minimum before yeah. you spout off you know so Gosh, this is so important this this podcast has become um, more powerful than I anticipated, and gosh, kudos to you for being you know a, a voice, a voice for those who are not heard and um I, I I agree use your your privilege to create change for the better and and to actually bring us to a place where we should have been years and years and years ago. this yes. is this, I can't even believe we're still talking about this but I I don't want to say that and then have people shut up about it because we need to talk more and you know louder than ever now about these issues um well let me ask you you sound like a woman who's not afraid of change or or not afraid to take on challenges or um you know that see setbacks as opportunities for growth and lessons (laughs) tell me what has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you overcome it Ooh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs>
1: you know, one thing that I've struggled with throughout my life is imposter syndrome. Um, and if you've never heard of it, imposter syndrome is something that, you know, many high-achieving women encounter at some point. And it's the idea that despite your professional success, you feel like you don't belong or that people are going to find out that you're, you're really a charlatan or a poser um, and for me, this started back in high school when I was taking, you know, challenging AP and CIS classes, but I always felt like my my peers deserved to be there more than I did. And this, this was really amplified when I went off to St. Olaf, which is a college that naturally attracted brainy Ravenclaw right. types. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love and it. I, yeah. And then once I graduated and started developing websites, that sort of insecurity shifted, and at that point, I felt more insecure that I was a a self-taught website developer. Um, So, you know, I can't say that I've overcome that 100%, but, you know, the more satisfied clients I have under my belt, the more confident I feel.
0: So, I want to tell you two things. You are not alone in that. Um, (laughs) Even I, uh, people say, oh, she." So, so this is part of bias that we suffer too. So when I am confident in my abilities and skills, and if I don't know the answer, I'm confident to say I don't know. And I'm confident to say I'll find out. So yeah. when I share my story, I own my story. I've come to a place in my life where I am all that, you know, I'm rocking it and I'm proud to say I'm rocking it. And it wasn't easy and I worked my ass off to get where I am. And so when people say, oh, she's a self promoter. She said, I say, you know, when my husband says and does the same thing, you call him confident in his skills, confident in his abilities. And yet out of the other side of your mouth, you're saying women need to own their stories and be confident in their skills and abilities. Well, I walk that tightrope bias most of my career, most because I was very successful at an extremely young age. In my twenties, I did quite well. And people just wouldn't allow for that. They're like, oh, she's a female. She's from the South. She just can't be. We're going to have to ruin her. And so I did combat impos- imposter syndrome for, for a number of years. But now I'm, look, I'm old and wise, and I'm going to mm-hmm. say, you know, screw that. And if your insecurities can't cope with the fact that I own my story and I'm giving a voice to other women to own their stories, especially women who are younger, um, I want them not to wait till their fifties to, to, um, to say, you know, screw you and F off when you judge <laughs> yes. me negatively yeah. or yeah. So bravo to you for recognizing that so early on. And, you know, we all work to combat it. Even I do. And I'm going to say to anyone who's listening, listen, learn, give women a chance, you know, mm-hmm. ask yourself, would you judge her the same way were a man to say the same thing? Oftentimes the answer, if you're honest is no, I would have thought he's confident. He's, he's a leader, you know? Yeah. So I am so impressed with you by you. Um, you're incredible, Michelle. I mean, your mom's a rock star, but, um, you are a rock star, you know, on steroids. <laughs> this is amazing. Cause you're young. You've got so much going on. You're doing everything right and well and fast and still you know um you're not afraid That's. i think that's the most impressive thing is you operate out of love and not fear so um awesome awesome tell us a surprise everything's a surprise to me about you because i've never met you before most of my <laughs> many of my guests i have met before but tell us a surprising fact about you something that people who even know you may not know
1: Ooh, huh Well, the people who know me really well know this, but people who sort of know me peripherally um, are always absolutely shocked to find out that I'm just a raging introvert. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, I was senior class president in high school and have been very politically active since then. So people naturally assume that I'm an extrovert, but I actually fall into the super fun category of socially outgoing introverts. Um,
0: nice or as yeah. Susan Kane would call you an ambivert
1: yes an ambivert or an INFJ for the Myers-Briggs aficionados out there
0: I love that I am an ENFJ but I go yeah. I occasionally I go both ways I am E you know at work and then sometimes in my personal life I refuel myself through journaling and you know quiet reading and you know symphony music
1: Yes, that's always what I tell people. It's not about how you act in public as much as it is about where you draw your energy. And Perfect. for me, I definitely need that alone time, either with just myself or like my wife and my dogs to just
0: recharge and get ready to do it all again. You betcha. I love that. I love that. So um, I often send people to uh, 16, the number 16, yep. and the word yeah. personalities.com. It's quick, it's fun, and it does help you learn how to appreciate your audience and to reconfigure your communication style in such a way that it meets their listening needs. Because as you know, the the receiver makes meaning of the message regardless of the sender's intent. So I love that you brought that up. I'm very passionate about the Myers-Briggs um, personality tests and or, or the indicators and how we can use that to improve our communication styles. so thanks for bringing that up have you purchased the enfj little ebook through 16 personalities i have not i did get my test results but i haven't purchased the book on us so um i I know i could write one for sure
1: because it's pretty cheap and you know they have the 16 personalities but then for each personality type they have a pretty comprehensive ebook that you can buy it's it's like under ten dollars Uh, But I found it to be quite enlightening. Well,
0: I am going to do that as soon as we finish this podcast, because I'll tell you what, ENFJs are only two to three percent of the population, and we're sort of an anomaly. And um, Mm -hmm. the more I can explain us to others, the more others will embrace us for who we are and not expect (laughs) us to be someone else. (laughs) We're sort of like, here we are, world, take us or leave us. So I'm really, really glad you brought that up. And, and yes, I have to tell you, some of the best salespeople I know are introverts. Some of the best leaders I've ever met or trained are introverts uh, because you're great listeners. The key to success is a powerful question. And you're great at asking questions and listening. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're a rock star. I'm telling you. Uh, thank you, mom, for sending you, uh, to you to us, you know, so um, definitely. Well, look, people are going to want to reach out to you for so many reasons, not just because of your new business, which they should for that for sure, um, because we know you're skilled at efficiency, accuracy, and speed, um, but also they're going to want to know more about the things you're passionate about, the things like advocacy and equity and equality, and how can they reach you if they want to reach out to you directly.
1: Sure. You can reach me at Michelle at psm-marketing.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Michelle Wheeler. Uh, And you can also check out our PSM website, which is www.psm-marketing.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, folks, you know that I'll take this podcast and I'll sync it into a blog. And in that blog we'll have uh, Michelle's headshot, maybe some candid shots so that you can relate with her and her off hours and some, Uh, contact info and a little bio. So look for that within the next 48 hours. And Michelle, that means you've got some things to send to me when we hang up. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Well, you are amazing. I would love to reconnect and stay connected and um, keep in close conversation with you because we are the women that will change, who will change the world. I do believe that. Absolutely. All right, folks, have a good day. And Michelle, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Susan. Bye-bye.